Hello, everybody. My name is Jake McGrail, and alongside me is Ollie Nicholas of CITR Sports, broadcasting live from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news and stories. We had three teams head to nationals this weekend. Both of our swimming teams, as well as women's hockey, one of them was able to pull out the gold, and that was men's swimming. Women's swimming won silver, while sadly women's hockey were upset early. After we cover all that, we'll look at baseball and track and field before listening to an interview I did with Nicole Salas of the UBC softball team. But first, we're going to start with some hockey. Yeah, so starting off with our Canada West champs, it wasn't the fairy tale ending they wanted in the PEI. A tough first game loss saw them fall into the consolation bracket, but the team got back on its feet in a hurry. Yeah, starting with the round one quarterfinal matchup against the Nipissing Lakers. I mm-hmm. believe that's how you pronounce that. Uh, the T Birds, they were in tough against the OUA runners up as the Lakers dominated the first 10 minutes of the game, putting UBC back on its heels early. After the power play for UBC, though, the momentum began to be, uh, the momentum began to swing back. UBC finished the game out shooting and out chancing the pissing with a total of 41 to 20 shots in favor of the Thunderbirds. Yeah, both netminders though they were stellar throughout the game. Chloe Marshall of Nipissing, 41 saves on the night. Incredible stuff from her. Elise Hugens of UBC, always good. They held perfect through regulation, a 0-0 tie heading into overtime. It was there where the Lakers' Madison solely fired home the winner from uh, the 10-minute point into overtime, and UBC was out of the running for the national banner. Yeah, but the way that the U Sports Nationals work is that there is a consolation bracket for those who lose in the quarterfinals. Thunderbirds then played McGill in the consolation semifinals. At that point, the best they could place at Nationals was fifth, but there was still lots of hockey to be played. Hey, and they were spurred on by the defeat. UBC came out firing. Shaylee McConnell put the Thunderbirds on the board at the 6.51 mark before Ryland McKinnon poked in a rebound to double the lead six minutes later. Yeah, the Martlets pushed hard in the second period, outshooting UBC 11-6 in the frame. Hugin stood tall yet again, kept everything out of Thunderbird's net, and I had no idea what a Martlet was right. before, before looking it up. What is it? A it, fish? It, it's a bird, oh, but specifically, it's a mythical bird that doesn't have feet. So it flies it, continuously its entire life until it dies and falls out of the sky. And what universe is McGill, isn't it? It's McGill. Okay, interesting. Yeah. It's and it's in, it's a an English mythological creature. So uh, there you go. This, your, this is your heritage, Ollie. I, I <laughs> you, had no you idea. You don't know what the martlet is. The martlet. That's why I had to leave the UK. <laughs> <laughs> It was at the end of Mule's sixth power play, a couple minutes into the third, when the Thunderbird struck again. Annalise Wong's shot was stopped, but the rebound bounced off Ashley McFadden and into the back of the net for a 3-0 lead. And then Mia Bird rounded off the scoring with nine minutes left in the game, sniping at home, delivering a 4-0 victory for the Thunderbirds. Plenty of goals that could have been used in the quarterfinals, but uh, Hugens was brilliant again in goal, pitching a 25-save shutout as UBC advanced to the Constellation Finals. There, they were met by the hosts, UPEI Panthers, to play for a fifth place in the nation. The Thunderbirds once again came out strong as Hannah Corral opened the scoring with just 69 seconds after the puck was dropped. 
Yeah, and then Ireland Perot tipped home the 2-0 goal with three and a half left in the first. The power play marker doubled UBC's lead heading into the second period, and they didn't look back from there. Camille Scherger of the Panthers was in goal. Uh was in goal by Shailing McFadden to, to start the second after conceding just two goals on five shots. However, that didn't seem to deter the Thunderbirds. Just 2.38 into the period, Perot ripped home her second of the game to put UBC 3-0 up. And then perhaps fittingly, the final goal of the tournament for UBC was scored by the captain, Kenzie Robinson, at the 8.31 mark of the second. That made the score 4 nothing, and that's how it's how it ended back-to-back four nothing wins to secure fifth place. Mm. Hugens was once again perfect, stopping 21 shots for back-to-back shutouts. Though the Thunderbirds couldn't bring home the banner, they played some incredible hockey in the consolation games for a well-deserved fifth place finish. Yeah. Quite unfortunate. You go to nationals, you outscore your opponents eight to one in the three games, and you finish fifth. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem right. It's just really unfortunate that the one game they slipped up in was the first one before just dominating the second two. Basically, it shows that they definitely were a contender. Mm-hmm. They definitely were one of the top teams in the country. It just didn't end up working out. It was the number one seed Concordia who won the national championship, their first since 1999. And uh, funnily enough, they beat Nipissing in the final, four to nothing. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Unfortunate uh, for UBC. We'll see, we'll see what next year brings. Absolutely. And uh, now looking at swimming, both of our men's and women's swimming teams look to defend their national championships in Quebec City this past weekend. The men did so. They won their fourth straight banner, but the women fell short in their quest to do the same, finishing with silver. Well, this is the men's 19th championship in the program's (laughs) history and they're now tying Toronto for the most of all time they finished with a total of 1,207 points at the event comfortably ahead of Calgary who finished in second with 917 yeah thankfully the women's even though they didn't win this time they still have the most all-time banners I just looked it up they have 24 all-time so UBC swimming still uh right at the top of the country uh the starts on the men's side were Blake Tierney and Tayden DePaul Tierney won four golds, one silver, and one bronze over the course of the three-day event, while DePaul won three golds and a silver. Hugh McNeil, Dimitri Lim, Kier Ogilvie, Justice Mignot, Brody Young, Alex Pratt, Rabin Donman, and Liam Clausen Honeyman all also medaled. So a lot of big names there. Tierney, <laughs> DePaul, Ogilvie, and Mignot. Is that right? Mignot, I think. Mignot. Yeah, let's go with it. Uh, made up the four by 100 meter uh, medley team that broke the U Sports record in that event. And DePaul also broke the U Sports record for the 50 meter backstroke. Yeah, and on the women's side, the Thunderbirds, they finished second behind Toronto, who were the only team to win nationals besides UBC in the last decade. Also winning in 2016. Little Messi and Ronaldo. <laughs> well, it's more like eight for UBC and the two for Toronto. Okay, so. <laughs> no, no, not at all then. <laughs> uh, they, Toronto also won in 2016 before uh, winning this year. Despite the silver medal, UBC's Danielle Hannes was the swimmer of the year after winning five golds and one silver at the event. Emma Cronin was also a star, winning four golds and two silvers and deservedly won the Rookie of the Year award. She and Hannes teamed up with Sarah Godin and Anna 
Dumont uh, Belanga to win the 4 by 200 meter freestyle before the, then teaming up with Josie Field and Emma Spence to win the 4 by 100 meter medley. I feel like you probably butchered Anna's name there. I assume it's Dumont Belanger. Belanger. It's a sorry. French name. A, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing Mike does this. He just says it with confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to do that. And you know what? It's a it's a double-edged sword because if you get their name wrong, but you show hesitancy whilst you're doing it, then they're like, okay, he got he got it wrong, but like he's being sensitive. Uh, but then if you say it with confidence, the general listener won't have any clue and they'll be like, that's <laughs> right. But the poor person who it's about feels hard done by because they're like, he doesn't care. Yeah. So you can't win on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you can't win when other people on the show will just call you out yeah. in, live in the booth. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? I'm glad I had the moment to clarify <laughs> how <laughs> you're approaching this situation. Yeah, and just know that I do care. <laughs> and it's, it's... It's all about the illusion of confidence. It's, yeah. And you know what? I, I wish I could learn everyone's names. Maybe next year. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, also, uh, meddling on the women's side, Chantel Jeffrey and Brooklyn Weens, while UBC coach Derek Schoof was named the coach of the year, primarily for his work on the men's side, but he's in charge of both teams. So uh, congratulations to him. Absolutely. Right, moving on to track and field. For the first time in three years, the UBC Thunderbirds track and field team hosted an intercollegiate meet as the UBC Open was held this Saturday and Sunday at the Rashpal Dillon Oval. Uh, there were no teams uh, team standings for this event, but the Thunderbird athletes did well across a number of events, ending the UBC Open with 25 podium finishes. Now, highlights on the track included uh, Tyler Dozie's win in the men's five-kilometer race, UBC's win in the 4 by 800 meter men's relay, and Nanaki Sangha's win in the women's 400-meter hurdles. 4 by 800 meters, that's a brutal distance. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I was looking at some of these, and I was like, <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Any, 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 any race that's like between 400 meters to a, th- to a kilometer, mm-hmm. it's rough because like, you're supposed to pace yourself, but also you're not supposed to pace yourself. You're supposed to get it done because it's not a marathon, but also it's longer than a sprint. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I would probably just go too hard when they go out. And then I, just completely burn yourself out by like 600 meters or something. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> um, a race where some people would think you don't burn yourself out. <laughs> but I won't say too much on this because I'm sure, as we learned with synchronized swimming last week, we don't know the effect of these sports until you play them. Uh, and I've not done race walking. Uh, but the Thunderbirds dominated the 5K race walk in both the men's and women's event, taking five out of the six podium finishes. So the men finished second and third, and then the women had first, second, and third. Uh, and the first place finish for the women's team was Olivia Lumman. Yeah, we have had a couple of race walkers on the show in oh, pa- yeah, sure. years past, actually. It's been a very interesting sport to learn about because, like you said, you think race walking mm-hmm. what what the heck they, they they move out there especially in the the marathon race walking race because at the last olympics there was a 50 kilometer race walk no way yeah that's and that was just brutal mm-hmm. have you ever i mean when you stride home sometimes you know when you really got to get a wiggle on and you mm-hmm. don't want to run you want to be that guy that's running you may be wearing jeans and you <laughs> and you yeah. walk with 
purpose. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're get, when you're trying to get to the bus stop, but also it's raining and you have the umbrella over your head yeah. and you don't want to put it down in order to actually run, so you gotta that hurts. It a little bit. Yeah, that hurts. it burns. It burns. Yeah. <laughs> you should do that for fifty kilometers. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, the the teamers they also did well in the field events. Special mention goes out to Michelle Dadson and Allison McDonald, who finished on the podium across two different events. Mm. Each of them. Yeah, Dadson secured uh, first in the shot put and third in the hammer throw, and McDonald placed second in the triple jump and third in the long jump. Thunderbirds also swept the podium in the women's javelin with. Uh, Haley Care. Care, I think it is Care because I, I know a footballer with that name. Oh, okay, so. Haley Care, JV Patrick Smith, and Giovanna James finishing first, second, and third. Other podium finishes include UBC's dominance in the women's heptathlon, as Hasi Fushima Bombata and Rebecca uh, Dutchak took the top two places, as well as wins for Theo Benedet in uh, the men's shot put and Rowan Hamilton in the men's hammer throw. And uh, Sage Stoyak, Stoika K in the women's pole vote. So they were all winners as well. Yeah. Got to shout out all the winners. Yeah, I want to mention all the winners. <laughs> uh, next up for the Teavers track and field team is a meet at the WWU Team Invitational, which is taking place down in Bellingham, Washington this weekend. Now, we've, we've talked a lot about wins that UBC yeah. has had. Obviously, swimming, national medals, track and field, doing a great job. Women's hockey, even though they got fifth, had a couple really dominant performances. But baseball, that's another story. Sometimes go. you have the right stuff. Sometimes you give up 55 runs over the course of four games. <laughs> the, 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 unfortunately... The Thunderbirds baseball team experienced the second of those two options in a weekend series against the Warriors of Lewis Clark College, perhaps the top team in the entire NAIA, getting swept in their first regular season road trip. I just want to say I'm glad I didn't have to write this. this <laughs> week. Uh, game one was a tight affair, a tight nine to eight affair, but its conclusion was a, a potent of disappointments to come after a Joe Ball bulk. Yes, that is his real name. Joe Ball. Joe Ball, <laughs> the man off baseball, uh, brought Nathan Shoot home. The, the Thunderbirds led 8-3 to three in the top of the ninth, and they look set to pull off the upset. Yeah, up five runs, only to get three more outs to put away Lewis Clark, have a massive win, the first road conference game of the season, but... Thunderbirds pitching fell apart. The Warriors didn't even need extra innings to claim this victory. They had a furious rally. They cut the lead to 8-7. to seven, And then with the bases loaded, UBC pitcher Sam Van Snellenberg gave up a walk to walk in a run. And the next batter hit him with the pitch to automatically walk him and bring home another run for the most anticlimactic walk-off ever. <laughs> Despite the result, the Thunderbirds' bats were, in, uh, were solid in this one. Shoot, Ty Penner and Johnny McGill all had three hits, with Penner notching three RBIs and a home run. Yeah, game two, not as close as game one. Sort of a uh, burn-the-tapes type of affair as the Thunderbirds <laughs> got hammered 13-1. to Warriors Whoa. pitcher Dawson Day had a no-hitter through five innings, and it was already 13-0 before Penner brought home Mike Fitzsimmons in the seventh inning, which was the last one of the game, because when you play a doubleheader for the baseball, it's two games of seven innings rather than the usual nine. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, game three, uh, the second half of Saturday doubleheader was hardly better, with the final score settling at 19-6. to UBC started well, leading 4-0 and later 6-3 before the Warriors put up four runs in each of the third, fourth, fifth and sixth innings. Brandon Hoop put up two solo homers in a losing effort, but the Warriors were just relentless in this one. Yeah, Sunday's game, much of the same. 14-4 to dropping was the final oh. score. Thunderbirds, they uh, showed some signs to compete, but ultimately couldn't match the artillery deployed by Lewis Clark. Penner and Michael Middlemas bumped up their individual stats in this one, with both of them getting three hits. After the dust settled, the Thunderbirds had given up 55 runs over 28 and a third innings. Uh, Getting wins when you're allowing nearly two runs an inning is a near impossible task. So you can imagine what Coach Chris uh, Pritchett is putting uh, the pitchers to work in practice this week. Sorry, that was one of the easiest. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, they give up. Eight run or nine runs, thirteen runs, nineteen runs, fourteen runs. That's not not exactly what you like to see there. <laughs> mm. uh, the Thunderbirds they are now two and six in CCC play. They now return for a much needed homestand against the Eastern Oregon University Mountaineers this weekend. The Mounties have scored one or fewer runs in half of their conference games this season. So hopefully UBC's defense can uh, keep that streak going. We're now going to take a quick break for SNPSAs, and when we come back, we'll have our interview with Nicole Salas. About 40% of UBC students experience food insecurity. Sprouts is hosting a weekly produce market from 10.30 to 1.30 every Monday in the Life Building. With produce from local farms, students are free to take whatever they want. Sprouts Cafe is open from Monday to Thursday and is offering 30 free meals a day, completely free and no questions asked. They also host Community Eats, a completely free hot lunch that is open for all. Stop by and support the Sprouts cause for sustainable, accessible food at UBC. Unladylike Co. presents Bad Eggs, a film following the lives of Greek gods Persephone, Hades, and Eve, who have been plucked away from their myths and placed in the modern world. The film is available online from March 16th to 27th, with an in-person premiere on March 13th, 7pm at the Norman Rothstein Theatre. Be sure to be there! Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. And now we're going to share an interview that I did with one of the stars of the UBC softball team, Nicole Salas, recorded this about a week ago while they were in the middle of a pause in their schedule due to some canceled games. They're actually playing right now uh, here at home. And, uh, well, here's what she had to say about the upcoming games, uh, the season so far, and her time here at UBC. This is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports, and joining me today is one of the stars of the UBC softball team, Nicole Salas. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Now, you guys have had a bit of an unintentional break in your schedule recently with games having 
to be canceled, but overall, how does it feel being back on the field this season after two years in between conference games? Yeah, it's really nice. It honestly feels weird being back in games. We went down to the States and it like didn't feel real just because it's been so long. Um, but it's really nice to be able to actually play games again. And, you know, we were we were practicing for so long. So it was nice to, you know, use that yeah. now and be able to put it onto the field. During the game. So, yeah, we're excited to keep going. And, yeah, we, we've had a little bit of a break, but we're excited to get back to it in April. So. Yeah, you're, you mentioned you were down in the U.S. for a little bit to start. You started with some games against Central Washington University back at the end of February. What, what was the mood like when you were heading down to the States, getting to the stadium, get walking onto the field for the first time and all that? Yeah, it was super exciting. I think there was definitely nerves, too. Um, we have a lot of new girls on the team, so it was kind of just trying to figure out, like, how to still play together and stuff like that. And, yeah, we have... A, a younger team just because well all of us have played maybe one season uh even if we are in like our fourth year so yeah getting out there it was it was a cold day definitely but uh we were super excited to get back out there and see how we can play as a team because we we had no idea right so yeah the softball team is one of the Thunderbirds varsity teams that plays in the ccc so instead of playing other canadian schools you compete in the naia against american schools have there been changes this year with regards to crossing the border and different restrictions you have to adhere to compared to the pre-pandemic seasons? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, if you haven't had like a PCR test, uh, like a positive one, then on the way on the way down, it's fine. But on the way back, you know, you have to get on the Zoom with a nurse and you have to do the COVID test. And then if you're positive, you're good to come back with the team. If not, they have to arrange something. To do, do you mean like, negative instead of positive? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we require you to have COVID when you're coming back into Canada. Yeah. Yeah. But no, like if like, so say if you've had um, COVID previously and you showed a positive PCR, then if you have a letter, then you can go across the border like freely without having to take that test again. So there, there was, there's about maybe 10 of us that have had COVID. So um, for us, it's kind of like, they call it like the golden ticket or whatever. So you can kind of go freely and we don't have to do the test, which is nice. But yeah, it's definitely an extra thing to do. But for us, it, it's worth it. So so for someone without one of those golden tickets, if you were to contract COVID while in the U.S. on one of the road trips, would you then have to stay in the U.S. for a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, things are changing kind of weekly with everything. Um, with all the restrictions but yeah basically if you get it then you have to stay there and then kind of arrange like how you're going to get back so it it is a bit tricky but I mean we knock on wood like so far we it's been smooth um but yeah so it's it's okay we're we're willing to work through those kinks to be able to play so yeah and I mean by the time this comes out it'll probably be new 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 regulations anyway (laughs) with regards to what you have to go through yeah, the next time we go uh, to the States is, I think, Montana, um, and that'll be April. So I'm sure things will change by then, too. So, yeah. And how do you get to these games generally? Are you taking a bus? Or are you flying? A mix of the two, depending on where you're going? Yeah, we, we take a bus for all, like a charter bus for all our trips. So they're, they're pretty long. Um, some can be up to like 15 hours. So it's, it's a long time on the bus. But uh yeah, it's good. It's good team bonding and stuff like that. So, and since you generally play in sets of two double headers, 
what is, what is your schedule like? Are you traveling out on the Thursday if you have games Friday, Saturday? Are you going out on the Wednesday? How does it work? Yeah, so usually Thursday is like a full travel day, and then we'll play two Friday, two Saturday, and then uh, after the three o'clock on the Saturday, we get back on the bus and basically head straight home. So it's and just come back in the middle of the night. Yeah, basically. So it's yeah, it's it's a quick turnaround. So and uh, how 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 much work is being done on the bus <laughs> since all of you, of course, have your uh, your classes as well. You have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I get car sick really easily, so I don't get much done. I know some girls who can like really focus like on their laptops for a couple hours, and I'm like, I don't know how they do it. But yeah, there's a lot of like downloading Netflix and listening to music, and we play games and stuff. So the time goes by, but yeah, it's definitely a long time to be on a bus. <laughs> well, I'd imagine you're used to it by now if you've been on enough of these road trips. Yeah, it's it's weird because I I've te- like even though I'm in my fourth year, I've technically like played one season. So even like all the girls that are in their fourth year, it's like we've we're still technically like in our second year of eligibility. So it's it's really weird just with COVID and stuff how that's worked. But yeah. And when it comes to the home games, the situation is very different now compared to 2018, 2019 when you started here at UBC. Your home field at that time was out in Surrey, meaning you had to go out there for the games and the practices. And what was that like? Yeah, um, when we played in at Softball City, it, it 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 was like it it was a nice facility and everything. The field was like beautiful. And like when I played um, in high school, I would play there and stuff, too. But there's something about playing at like your actual like home home that actually feels like home. So honestly like being able to play now here is like such a luxury for us we don't have to you know leave like an hour earlier to get to the park to drive there and like at first we didn't have like a bus to take us to uh, South Surrey so we would have to like find rides and stuff which kind of sucked but uh, yeah we're, we're very grateful now that we can you know play at home and people can come out and watch and it's easy for us to get there and stuff so yeah. And with the new Collings Field, you guys played your first CCC game there the other week. Uh, on top of the field itself, are there other facilities that have been added to help you guys out? Uh, yeah, so we, yeah, we have our field, which has been great. And then we also hit at the, we use the baseball hitting facility, um, you know, when it's like raining and stuff like that. So that's, that's huge too for us um, to be able to hit in there, so. And you guys marked the first conference games at Collins Field with some solid wins. Uh, did that really, how, how much of a big monumental occasion did that feel like for you guys having this new setup and being able to play there against a, an, an opposition for the first time? Yeah, it was honestly like a really good weekend. Um, you know, it was, it was nice to, I guess that would have been our second weekend together. So still trying to, you know, figure out how to play together. Um, we hadn't played together as a team um, fall in the following years because we have a lot of new girls. So yeah, just figuring each other out. And then, yeah, being able to have, you know, like fans come out and stuff and support us like at the field. And yeah, I don't know. It just, it was a really good feeling. And like where the field is, is like really pretty and stuff like that. It was like a beautiful weekend. So yeah, it, it was, it was really good energy, good feel. And so far this season, you're hitting well. You're leading the team currently with eight RBIs. You have a batting average of 313. How do you feel about your own play so far? And how much further do you think 
you can go this season? Yeah, I feel good. Honestly, I'm just so excited to be able to play again. I feel like I'm just trying to get into that, like, like re get into that, like, um, game mentality just because we've been practicing so long. So, I mean, I, I'm just trying to do everything I can, you know, when there's people on trying to get them in, um, doing my part on the team, whether, you know, it's on the bench or on the field and just trying to do my role and encouraging girls and supporting girls. And yeah, I'm just super excited to be back playing. So it's been good. It's been fun. Yeah. I mentioned you leading the team with RBIs. You haven't scored too many runs yourself though. What's up with that? Why haven't your teammates been hitting you in as much as you're hitting them in? Uh, honestly, I think it's just t- like time, you know, t- hitting's a hard thing. It's, <laughs> it's very timely. It's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fast, I'm not fast on the basis. So maybe that has to do with it. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's hitting is very up and down and it's, it's a tough thing. And, you know, sometimes it's just timely. So we'll, 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 we'll get things together. You know, we're, it's early in the season and I think come, come April, uh, things will look good. So, yeah. And you, you even hit your first career home run recently. That was on March 13th against Eastern Oregon. What did that feel like? Yeah, that was awesome. We, uh, the pitcher we were playing was a pretty good pitcher and we were all kind of struggling and yeah, I guess I just got one and got my pitch and yeah, it, it was great. It was really good that I could, you know, get that for our team and stuff. So yeah, it was good. Do you think there's going to be more of those uh, for the rest of the season for you? I mean, I hope (laughs) we'll see. I really hope. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) To just dig in a bit more about you as a player, you're listed as both a catcher and an infielder on the UBC website. Is there one of those that you like to play more? Yeah, I definitely, I I catch mostly. So I, I definitely like being behind the plate. Um, I just like, you know, like being able to command the field and having that relationship with the pitcher. And I love like we get to call our own games, which is awesome. I really like that part of catching. So, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoy catching. I, I like playing in field, too, but I definitely I would say I, I, I like being behind the plate. So and by calling your own games, do you mean you and the pitcher getting to decide all the pitches that are going to be thrown as opposed to having the, the coach in your ear about what yeah, to do exactly. each time? Yeah. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough that um, on our team, like uh, I get to call my own pitches, which isn't always the case. Sometimes the coach um, is the one that calls it kind of thing. So I really like that because I feel like that's just another aspect of the game. That's just it's very fun for me. And you can kind of play around and, you know, figure out what's working for the pitcher and like where you are in the count. And, you know, it's 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 really it's really cool part of it that I feel like when you're not given that opportunity or the coach does it like I I just like have been really fortunate that our coaches have let us do that because for me I I really like doing it so and uh, you're from Delta here in BC you mentioned that you used to play games in high school at Softball City where you played for a bit as a Thunderbird given that you're from the area how easy or difficult of a decision was it to come here to UBC did you consider going elsewhere yeah, in high school, I definitely considered going to the States um, for a bit. And then I just decided, like, UBC is a great school, and I've known Gord, and he's a great guy. Um, and, yeah, just a good education, and it just felt like a good fit for me. So I, I'm, I'm happy with my decision, and I feel like this is where I should be. So, And when it comes to the team as a whole, you touched on this a little earlier, how there's 
no one on the roster who has passed their second year of eligibility because of the giant COVID pause. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to be sticking around for another couple of years after this one, because if people graduate, they can just decide to move on without using it all. But what is it like being on a team that isn't as experienced in terms of conference play and these seasons? Yeah, I it's it's definitely I feel like we can use it in our advantage because uh, the teams that we play, we have no idea what they're like because we haven't played them. They've played they uh, all the teams in our league played last year, but we didn't. So uh, we've kind of I feel like we can use it in our advantage that we don't know them, but they also don't know us. So it's kind of like a clean slate when we do play them. You know, there's no oh, they're really good or whatever like that, right? Those expectations. So, um, but yeah, I I think uh, because we are new, we're just trying to figure out like how to work together and, you know, you know, figuring out people's roles and how that works. And, but yeah, I, I think definitely during COVID, it was, it was hard to, to, you know, because we were new, not everyone was, I guess, yeah, everyone was new and girls were coming in and didn't know girls, I think, it was hard to do like team bonding stuff and like that during COVID. So that definitely, I think was a disadvantage to coming this year. We really tried to get girls to, you know, we do a lot of team bonding and just trying to, you know, know each other more. And so then we can support each other on the field and understand each other. So, yeah. And as one of the players who did have a full season under the belt pre pandemic, do you see yourself as one of the leaders on this team? Yeah, I I would like to think so. Yeah, I definitely, I think it's helped that I've had a season under my belt because I can help the younger girls kind of be like, this is how it works. Like, you know, there were some things that like, maybe I would have wanted to know when I was in my first year that I now I'm able to tell these girls and just to tell them too. like, I I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself first year and I see, you know, just, just have fun and, you know, it'll come. So yeah, it's, it's been good. And I, I definitely think we have a lot of talent on this team. And so I'm, I'm really excited for this upcoming uh, month just to see, see what happens. So once you're actually able to get back out on the field again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's been, yeah, we didn't play this weekend and then we don't play next weekend. So we'll be at home the following weekend. So yeah, I'm excited to get back out there. And given that this is your fourth year here on campus at UBC, what are your own plans going forward? Are you, planning on using more of your remaining eligibility to keep playing here do you have other ideas of what you want to do yeah so this this unfortunately will be my last year playing um, I'm going to be graduating uh, next fall so um, I'm, I'm really excited that one you know we were able to play on I was able to get the opportunity to play on the new field for uh for a season and then yeah just be able to play another season you know, through COVID and stuff. So I've been really fortunate that I can kind of end on a good note. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll be finishing and then, um, yeah, we'll see from there. I'm, I'll probably end up going back to school after a bit, but we'll see. Planning on taking some time away from both school and also being a uh, full-time uh, softball player? Yeah, just kind of taking a breather and, you know, maybe travel or something. And so, yeah. And hopefully there won't be as many 15-hour bus rides on those <laughs> travels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I say that now, but uh, down the road, I'll probably, I'll probably miss those 15-hour <laughs> bus rides. <laughs> That's all the, uh, the questions that I have for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? 
no, no, I just, yeah, we're, we're excited for this uh, upcoming month and hopefully we can uh, squeeze a spot into playoffs and yeah, going forward. I'm just super excited. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Of course. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to me and have it on the show. Once again, this is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports. Joining me today has been Nicole Salas of the UBC softball team. Hopefully uh, your last season can go the way that you want it to. And uh, good luck once you're back on the field again. Yeah, thanks. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye here on CITR 101.9 FM. That was me speaking with Nicole Salas of UBC Softball. Now, before we wrap up the show, there's a couple other sports to cover. Men's rugby, they had a big game on Saturday as they took on UBC Old Boys RFC, which is a club that was originally founded by a bunch of UBC alumni. You don't necessarily have to be an alumni now, I don't think, to play, but there's a lot of them there. Uh, This was big because they're the only other, they were the only other uh, undefeated team in the BC Premier League. The game got off to a very fast start as the Ravens took a 5-0 lead in the first minute. Teams traded points with UBC taking a 12-7 lead around 10 minutes in. The scoring then slowed down a little for the rest of the first half and after 40 uh, minutes the Thunderbirds led 17-10. The Ravens scored in the uh, first and the second half cutting the lead to 17-15 in the 51st minute. Yeah, UBC tried to pull away with another try. The Ravens continued to fight back. And in the 67th minute, they took the lead 23-22. They then kicked a field goal a few minutes later to make it 26-22. It was not looking good for our Thunderbirds. No, the Thunderbirds kept fighting, however. And on the very last play of the game, they drove down the field and scored a try to take it to 27-26 for the win. Clutch W for the men's rugby team. And now the last thing for this week, the biggest Thunderbirds action this weekend is the Men's Hockey National Championships, which are taking place in Nova Scotia. The Thunderbirds are the sixth seed and will face the third seed UQTR Patriot, who are the OUA champions with an overall record of 14-3-2. If UBC wins, they will face the winner of UNB versus Ryerson. And I was very confused at the fact that a Quebec school plays in the Ontario University Conference. I looked it up, and their men's hockey team is like the only team from their school that plays in the OUA. The rest of them play in the RSEQ, which is the Quebec League. Because basically, decades ago, there were barely any Quebec schools playing hockey. (laughs) (laughs) For some, or at least playing hockey at like a decent enough level that UQTR was basically like, we're just going to go play in Ontario. Screw you guys. And they've stayed there ever since. Fair enough. Hey, all power to them. Uh, Before we move on, big congratulations to Ryland Toth, who was named the U Sports Goaltender of the Year and a first team All-American. He finished... All-Canadian, excuse you. Oh, sorry. They just rolled off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) All-Canadian. Sorry, Ryland. That's very disrespectful of me. First team, All-Canadian. There we go. Uh, he finished the Canada West season with a, a 9.20 save percentage and a 2.34 goals against average, breaking the UBC single season record with four shutouts. Right. Again, Ryan, I'm sorry. I was just saying to Jake <laughs> in the break, I sort of l- forgot how to read at the moment. It's the end of the school year. We're yeah. all a bit... everyone, everyone has their excuses. Ooh. It's very understandable. We're all a bit fragile. Anyway, let me do some more reading as I cover the coming week's sports. 
So our sporting week starts on Friday as the UBC men's hockey team goes up against the University of Quebec in the U Sports Men's Hockey Championship, as Jay just mentioned. On Saturday, the rowing team is in action at the Brown Cup, which is in Victoria. The track and field team are at the WWU Team Invitational down in Bellingham, Washington. Both the baseball and softball teams are welcoming opposition from Oregon to Vancouver this week. The baseball team are playing a series against Eastern Oregon University and the softball team are against Oregon Tech. Let's hope this lovely weather holds out for the weekend because it's beautiful in Vancouver today. Uh, The men's rugby team will be making the short trip to Victoria to play West Shore RFC. And on Monday and Tuesday, we have golf action with both the men's and women's teams competing against Pacific University down in Oregon. And finally, the softball team will be in action again at Northwest University in Bellevue, Washington. Now You forgot something important. Softball. They're playing right now. <laughs> as, oh. as we sit in the studio, they're playing uh, the first game of a doubleheader. I actually have it pulled up because it's being broadcast live on the uh, what what channel? The Fast Pitch Canada Live YouTube channel, which hey. I've not heard of that before. But you apparently, know. they're broadcasting uh, <laughs> university softball. UBC is currently up two nothing in the fifth inning against Northwest University. That's here at home on Collings Field. The new Collings Field, as Nicole Salas talked about uh, in in our interview, unfortunately, the live stats page appears to be broken, so we can't see if Nicole is getting some sort of UBC Thunderbird Eye bump <laughs> from being on the show while also playing in a game. So we'll have to check back in next week and see if that ended up having any sort of effects. I'm sure it did, Jake. I'm sure. <laughs> when we look up and Nicole Salas had a grand slam in the first inning, we we can pinpoint that. It's like that was that was us right there. Uh, but uh, with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. Next up on CITR is the All Access Pass. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake McGrail and Ollie Nicholas with contributions from Corey Branson and Mike Liu. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.